Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this morning. Uh, we thank you that you uh, allow us to the opportunity to gather every week and um, have this time of worship and discussion and prayer um, where we can fellowship and uh, just grow together in you. And we're incredibly grateful. In Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, we're going to do something different. I say that a lot, don't I? We're going to do something different. We're going to mix it up. And in order to do that, I have uh, rewritten uh, today's Bible passage for us. And you think, Ryan, did you hate the Bible? You're rewriting the Bible. No, it's not because I hate the Bible. It's because I, I love it so much that I think uh, changing it is going to be better this morning. I'm just kidding. But it, it kind of, that's kind of true. Uh, I think changing this particular uh, parable that we're going to be reading this morning helps us to actually grasp the roles of uh, who the parable talks about. Uh, and you'll, you'll see what I mean uh, by the end. And if you want to go back and, and read the uh, original version, it's Luke 18, uh, 9 through 14. Um, but in order, like I said, to, to really put ourselves in the story for what this means for us today, uh, I've rewritten it. All right. So it's in, your, it's in your bulletin. I call it the Ryan Standard Version, the RSV. So um, two men traveled to a church to pray. The first man was a highly regarded Christian pastor, author, activist, with frequent appearances on CNN and publications in the New York Times. The second man spent much of his time volunteering on behalf of his church, protesting at left-wing political events, wielding a large hand-painted red sign in one hand and a bullhorn in the other. When he was not at rallies, he spent his free time at home preaching the gospel to liberal Christians on Facebook. The Christian pastor stood at the front of the church praying to himself, God, thank you that I am not like the other people, the unjust, the Wall Street bankers, oil tycoons, people that sleep around, or heaven forbid, like this man who protests at the left-wing rallies. After all, I've started four churches, and I donate all of my book revenue to the poor. Meanwhile, the conservative protester slumped down in his seat in the back row of the church with his face buried in his hands. He couldn't even bring himself to look up. He simply said, God, have mercy on me. Forgive me, I'm a sinner. Jesus turned to the gathered group and said, Only the conservative protester went home made right with God. If you walk around with the spirit of condemnation, as if you are better than everyone, you will end up humbled flat on your face. But if you're content simply being loved by God for who you are, you will, be, you will become more than yourself. Jesus told this parable to a group of people who were relatively impressed by their moral performances, and therefore they looked down on common people. Not where we usually think the parables of Jesus are going to go. In the, in the original version, this particular parable, the, uh, the Christian pastor, author, activist, is played by the part of the Pharisee, right? And the conservative protester who wields the sign and bullhorn is, in the original text, a tax collector. So the original audience would have heard Pharisee is like the pinnacle great guy. Like, this guy is awesome. He would be like the Christian pastor who has all these books, donates all of his stuff to the poor, does all the right things. And the tax collector would have been this guy who politically was shady and culturally shady, and everybody would have looked at him kind of like he was that kind of lesser guy. He was weird. He was, in some context, bad. Um, and so in this parable, we're flipped into actually looking at who we are 
as people in God as opposed to what we actually do. Uh, at this church, we talk a lot about what we uh, aspire to do and who we are uh, in God and what we do outside of these walls. And that's one of the reasons why I really love this church. This week, I, um, maybe you've heard, has anybody heard of Facebook? Anybody heard of Facebook? It's a really great place to get all of your news and if you want to partake in any polite dialogue, Facebook is the place to do it, for sure. Um, so <laughs> this week, I, uh, I, I fell into this trap, and I did this. Uh, I got in a Facebook argument. Maybe some of you have seen it, because um, it comes up on everybody's news feed. I love that. All of your arguments for public uh, consumption. Um, and so, so this person, he, he comments on, uh, on my Facebook, and then I, of course, in my uh, extreme love for God, I put him in his place for God. Um, but, you know, what you realize is when, whenever somebody, you know, comments or they, you know, critique something that anybody has on Facebook, and then you come back, no matter if it's, uh, you know, from this place of like, oh, I, this is what my theology is, or what, you're escalating the argument and everyone's already lost, right? There is no winning in Facebook. Twitter, you know, same thing. Uh, not the place uh, for that kind of dialogue. It just doesn't work. Um, and like I said, one thing I love about this church is that we are so concerned with social justice, theology, ethics, and we incorporate that uh, into what we do and what we, you know, plan to do. Um, but what, what I think we, we tend to do, and I think what this parable really, uh, where it really convicts us and certainly convicts me, is that... Uh, how many times have, have I, have we used our Bible, our theology, our ethics uh, to, to at the very least build up our own ego, to justify our own beliefs as right or better or whatever, uh, even good beliefs, in order to make our ego a, a little bit better or to just flat out put someone down. We use that to put people down, and I'm absolutely guilty of doing that this week. Um, it's even we can even turn our most sacred moments into this sort of form of ego boost, right? Oh, we go on a mission trip to Kenya, or we go to uh, feed the homeless uh, on Skid Row, or fill in the blank. We, are we doing this because this is what we believe? This is, this is our ethic, this is our social justice that we embody? Or are we doing this uh, for who we are loved by God? What, where does this come from? Um, I started reading this book, yesterday. Running Man, uh, it's written by this guy named Charlie Engel. It's, a, it's a, his memoir, and it is, it is, he has a fascinating story, and me being someone who's interested in, in endurance sports, um, this guy's run all the way across the Sahara Desert. It's un unbelievable. But he, he has this whole life as he, he goes through uh, addiction, and he's, he's going through his childhood here, and uh, this little bit that I'm going to read I think sometimes really uh, correlates well with how we can sometimes get wrapped up in the doingness of church or the doingness of faith and religion. Um, and here's a, here's a clip from him in high school. He said, I threw myself into high school and into doing anything that I thought might make my father proud. I made varsity football, basketball, baseball, track teams. I produced, wrote, performed on the morning news show on the school's closed circuit TV network. I was class president my sophomore and junior years and student body president my senior year. I was top 10 in my class of 400 and voted best all around in the senior class. I was recruited by several colleges to play football and got an early acceptance to my dream school and family alma mater, the University of North Carolina. On paper, 
I was a perfect kid. Mr. Wonderful. Except Mr. Wonderful was not what I felt like. Each new accomplishment, each new accolade brought only momentary relief, followed by the certainty that I was not doing enough. I think faith, a life of faith, can sometimes feel like this. We go from one uh, social, social justice movement to the next, one cause to the next, one whatever to the next. We prop up our beliefs in certain ways in, in order to, at the very least, at least feel good about we're embodying the life of Jesus, right? It's not a bad thing, but our motives are a bit twisted. Uh, this is something, this incessant need to, to work, to work for, for God, is something that Paul and the New Testament right, authors pick up on. In, uh, in Ephesians 2, 7 through 9, uh, Paul writes this, in order uh, in the ages to come that he might display the surpassing riches of his grace, God demonstrated his kindness to us in Jesus Christ, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. It is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. It is not by works, so that no one can boast. Uh, John 4, 10, uh, Jesus answers, If you knew the gift of God who is asking you for a drink, would you have not asked him? He would have given you living water. Acts 15, 11 says, on, con- on the contrary, we believe that it is through the grace of Jesus that we are saved as they are. Romans 3, 24 uh, we are justified freely by his grace through redemption that is in Jesus Christ. Romans 9, 16. So then, it does not imp- depend on man's desire or man's effort, but on God's mercy. You could put, uh, that's a masculine pronoun, but you could put uh, people's desire there. Uh, Ephesians 2, 5. But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the love, out of the great love with which he loved us, even we were dead in our trespasses, made alive together with Christ by grace, you have been saved. Uh, we gather each week to sing songs, to worship, to take the Eucharist, to read scripture and pray. Um, and all of this is in an effort that we would have a spirit of humility in that we would embody love. Purely the love for, for love's sake. It, the love that we have been given in God. Not so that we can go and do something tremendous that we can just check that, check that box. Um, my mother-in-law sent me this t-shirt yesterday. Can I write through that? It's kind of funny. If you're familiar, it says BVs, and then there's a salt shaker and a light bulb. Um, I think she's trying to give me a hint, maybe. Uh, she's like, maybe you should, I saw your Facebook argument, you should do this. Um, and if you're familiar with the verse from Matthew, uh, it's from Matthew 5, um, and Matthew 5.13 says, says this, You, beloved, are salt of the earth, but if salt becomes bland and loses its saltiness, can anything make it salty again? No. It's useless. It's tossed out, thrown away, or trampled. And you, beloved, you are light of the world. A city built on a hilltop cannot be hidden. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under a bushel basket, put it on, but on the lampstand. And it gives light to all in the house. I like I like this uh, translation of this verse because it it claims that you that we are salt and light, um, not that we have to do this and do that and do this and then we eventually become salt and light. We are salt and light, uh, and if we understand where the the root of that salt and light comes from, that humility in God, that love that we have found in Christ. Uh, we are salt and light. And I think when we, uh, we try to do this, we try to, try to check off all the boxes, then 
we're, we're spreading that salt and light thin, or we're putting it under something that uh, our motive is wrong for what we're doing. Uh, there's this prayer that uh, uh, the Eastern Orthodox Church has really picked up on, or picked up on. They've been saying it for thousands of years. Uh, and it comes from the, from the verse that we read at the start um, from, from Luke. And the prayer goes like this. It, it, uh, it mirrors what the, the tax collector says. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, the sinner. And what the Eastern Orthodox Church does is they, they will say this, this prayer 10, 20, 30 times over together. And this is, th- this is what roots their faith in a spirit of humility. And it's not this... Uh, I think sometimes especially growing up in, in a Baptist culture, I kind of thought, well, the Catholic Church, or in this case, the Eastern Orthodox Church, um, had lived under sort of this weight of like, oh, God is somehow angry at us, and I'm, I'm this poor sinner, and I'm like crawling at the feet of God who's like ready with the lightning bolt to like strike me dead. Uh, but if we understand where this, the context of this prayer, this, this rooted in the most sincere humility possible, that's where this prayer comes from. It's, it's not uh, that we are living under this extreme weight of this angry God, uh, but that we are called to live fully within this love of God, not based on what we can do, not based on how many causes we're involved in, but that God loves us so much that we are humble before him. And so as we close this morning, I want us to uh, just say this prayer together. Um, we'll do it five times. Uh, I won't make you do it 20 times because I don't think I can count that high. So, um, so if, you'll, if you'll say it with me, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, the sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, the sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, the sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, the sinner. Lord, Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, the sinner. Lord, Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on us but we are all sinners. This morning we, are, we come with humble and grateful spirits that uh, you're not standing there with a, a checklist to see uh, how many causes we're involved in, uh, how many uh, kind acts we did this week, not how many Facebook arguments we got into, but that you love us so much just as we are, that you call us the salt of the earth, the light of the world, and you invite us to, to share that from a place of humility, uh, not beating down other people with uh, how much we know or how, um, how long we've been uh, people of faith. Lord, we pray that you push our egos to the side uh, and fill us with more of you. We pray that um, you would 
allow us to forget how good we are so that we can be like children, excited, wide-eyed, full of opportunity, full of hope, full of life, always looking to be a source of encouragement and and inspiration um, from what we've found in you and not what we found in ourselves. In Jesus' name. together and we'll sing as we close this morning.
Wednesday. Be sure you can be there. Um, yeah. numbers or things, we have uh, the old directory, so, um, and information, so, and if you don't have time and you need to leave, just shoot me an email or something, so. As we go today, may we remember that we are all continually saved by grace. May we remember that we are called God's beloved, just as we are this morning, and may we be salt and light in the world, not based on our own accomplishments, but for who we are in Christ. As we approach this week, may we, may we love God, embrace beauty, and live life to the fullest. 